0: God, there's some people that are here and they're, they're wondering what that is. God, they're wondering what it is that's stirring their hearts right now. And that is your Holy Spirit. That is the very breath of God God is moving over this place. And God, it is, it is breaking people. God, it is drawing people to you. God, it is convicting people. That is the Holy Spirit of God at work on people. Lord, and we know that that is what separates us from the Muslims or the Buddhists, God, the the people that that think they have all the answers, God, when somebody, uh, Lord, shares the gospel and they are a Christian, it is the Holy Spirit of God that makes all the difference in the world. And that is what opens people's eyes and their ears to the truth. So God, I would pray right now that your Holy Spirit would move in these people and it would open their eyes, that he would open their eyes to the spirit of truth today. God, thank you so much, Lord, for just being in our midst as we sing your praises. God, thank you for this incredible time of worship. God, I pray that you've been glorified through it. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. All right, so, uh, we just completed our series, uh, Who Do You Say That I Am? And I told you that we would take that series right through Easter, and we did so. And we talked about, many times in here, we talked about, uh, the Holy Spirit. We say that a whole lot. We, we talk about the Holy Spirit when we baptize somebody. We baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and, and uh, we talk about how the Holy Spirit is moving in this place. We talk about how the Holy Spirit is stirring people's hearts. And, and we talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. But I think that there's a lot of folks out there that really don't understand the at least a whole lot about the Holy Spirit. We talk about Him a whole lot, just in general terms, but I don't think we necessarily uh, dwindle that down and say, here is who the Holy Spirit is, here is what He is all about, and here is His purpose in this world. And I want to take some time. I just feel feel like we need to know more about who the Holy Spirit is. I think we need to talk about Him. So that that is kind of the sermon series that we're going to be in for the next few weeks. I don't know. This may last... Four weeks, five weeks, six months, 12 years. I don't know how long it's going to last, but we're going to take as long as it takes until I feel like, hey, we have a firm grasp on who the Holy Spirit is and what he is doing in and through us. Uh, I am a big believer in following the leadership of the Holy Spirit, okay? And, And if you don't believe that, you should talk to some of the other, the leaders in Simple Church and they will tell you that Kenny is absolutely settled on the fact that he will do nothing until the Holy Spirit of God tells him to do so. Uh, I am, (laughs) I am like this guy, I am obsessed with following the leadership of the Holy Spirit because I'll tell you this, I have done some things and I didn't wait on the leadership of the Holy Spirit. I just kind of said, well, this is ministry and this is what you're supposed to do. So I will go and do them. And then all of a sudden you fall flat on your face and you're like, I don't know what happened. Uh, I thought I was doing the right thing. I thought I was doing good things. And God said, it may have been good. It may have been a good thing, but it wasn't a God thing. Um, and that is why I am completely reconciled to the fact that I am going to wait on the Holy Spirit of God to tell me what to do or else I'm going to do nothing. When it came to starting our youth services in here, they, folks can tell you, they would be like, so when are we going to do youth services in here? It's important that we have a youth group and they start making bonds and all that. I said, well, not until the Spirit of God tells me to. We're going to sit here on our hands and wait and when God says go, then we'll go, but we're not doing anything before then. And people are like, but you're a church, you're supposed to have a youth group. Uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, we should we'll be pouring into our youth and we should be caring a lot about what these young people uh, believe and what they understand about God. But for me to know what that's supposed to look like, I can't tell you that unless God tells me that, okay? And, and so I, I just sat there, I said, nope, we're not doing anything until God tells us to move. And then we'll move. And... and I do that on a lot of stuff and folks are like, Kenny, I don't think that's a good thing. My sermons sometimes, uh, they can tell you, I will send them my my scripture that I'll be using uh, at four o'clock in the morning on on Saturday or four o'clock in the morning on Sunday. I'll be like this, this is what it's got to be this week. And let me tell you something else. If I get up here And I'm standing right there, and I'm worshiping God, and I'm getting close, and and, and it's like time for me to get up here. And God says, you're not doing that sermon today. You're doing something else. You haven't prepared. You haven't studied. This is the scripture that you will preach today. I promise you, I will preach that scripture and not the plan I had, okay? Okay. Now I promise you that I will not hesitate. I will not, I will not check up at all. I will be in that passage preaching what God has told me to preach. And I have done that before, and it is terrifying, let me tell you, but it is some of the best messages that I've ever preached. So that's gonna happen in here. I'm completely convinced of it. But so if it happens, I'll let you know, and you go ahead and get out your tissues and all that. But I'm telling you, man, when the Spirit of God is telling you to do something and it's of God, and you don't have to worry, man. It's like he's got it all rigged, man. like he knows what he's doing you don't have to worry so much oh my gosh I'm already I'm fired up I'm about ready to just jump in the water on I I don't know man this this morning was really good and God here we are talking about the Holy Spirit and and I'm already fired up about it but I, I like let me tell you a quick story so I tried to do something apart from the Holy Spirit right so um, I preached my first message. It was about, in front of about 700 people, you know. That's normal first message, right? So I preached my first message in front of about 700 people, and I felt, man, I, like it. God had just, like, strengthened me and empowered me through his Holy Spirit, and I was begging God. I, I was down on my knees, crying, like, God, if you don't come through, it's not going to be pretty. It's going to be a train wreck up there on stage, and... I don't even know what's going to happen, and blah, blah, blah. You know, like, I was begging God, right? So I was all in, like, God, you've got to do something to your Holy Spirit, or else I'm going to fall flat on my face. And I got up there, and I preached, and, man, it went well. People were hugging my neck, telling me, man, that was great. That was awesome. God's obviously called you to ministry. It's a great thing that you're doing. And, man, we love you, and that was wonderful. And So what happened then? Well, good old pride starts seeping in on it. Like, you start going, man, I got this, you know? I can do this whole preaching thing. I can get up there and say a few stories and read a few passages and people will be like hugging my neck and I'll be like, man, I got this. I can do this. You know, and people will be laughing and it'll be good. And then I preach my second sermon. And you want to talk about crash and burn, man. It was not pretty. They recorded my first sermon. I am so glad that they did not record my second sermon because it was not pretty. I got up there and I, I said everything that I know about the Bible in eight and a half minutes. And then I sat back down. And it was like, one of my buddies had told me, you know what you need to do? If you, you, you're going to be a pastor, you're going to be a preacher, you've got to write down every single word that you're going, to write, you're going to say in your sermon. You need to write that down on a piece of paper. That way you can plan out every single word that you're going to say. That way that you know exactly what's going to happen when you stand up there. Wrong. That, that may be the, the, okay, look, I'm not downing folks that do that because there are guys, there are wonderful preachers out there that do that, man. And they write down every single word and they get up there and they kind of, they have it all planned out. They know exactly what they're going to say and they're great preachers and teachers of God's word and praise God for those guys. I am not that guy. I cannot do that. I cannot, I tried it, man. I wrote down every single word that I was going to say about Abraham and Isaac and I wrote it down and it was like three full pages and I got up there and it was like, Charlie Brown's teacher had written it. It was like I read, I was like, I have no idea what this (laughs) says. So I preached for eight and a half minutes, sat back down, and a guy comes up and he says, y'all come hug his neck and tell him what a wonderful job he did. Tell him how much you love him. That's how you know you didn't do so good when they say that, uh, come hug his neck and tell him how how much you love him. He's like, he was saying, bless his heart, you know? (laughs) That's what he was really saying. Bless his heart. He he thought he knew what he was called to do, but apparently he didn't have a clue. And just come and hug his neck and tell him you love him, you know. And uh, so anyway, so you try to do something. See, the problem was that second sermon is that, that I had gotten all you know, conceited and, and absorbed in myself and thought that I could handle this, that I didn't really need God to be a part of it, that I didn't really need uh, the power of his Holy Spirit, that I could just do this because this was something I was supposed to do. And God was like, no, you got to rely on me every single time. You, you It doesn't matter if you're preaching to 700 people, seven people, or, or a seven-year-old. It doesn't matter. You've got to have the power of my Holy Spirit moving in and through you or else it's gonna, you're going to fall flat on your face and it's not going to go the way that you think it's going to go. And let me tell you something, God. <laughs> you don't learn something until you stand up in front of seven or 800 people and you look like an idiot. You really learn something at that point in time. We learn better through pain. And apparently I learn a whole lot better through pain. So I said, I, said, I committed myself right there, I am not going to do that mess again. God, it is all about you. It's whatever you have for me to say. And if I stand up there next time and I got nothing to say, I'm going to let you speak and I'm going to just allow you to pour through me and you say what you got to say, God, because I am not going to try to put it Kenny's way and I'm not going to try to do it Kenny's way. I'm going to let you do it your way. And there are so many times where I've just been able to bask in his glory and just like I, I would have, <laughs> I have stuff planned out, man. This is the way it's going to go. This is what I'm going to preach. And I stand up here and I got no clue. And what God is doing. I'm like, God, uh, that's not heading towards the ending I thought it was going to head towards. That's not what I planned. He said, you leave it to me. And I promise you, it will be okay. So, man, I have learned. I have learned. Man, you got to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. If you are a Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit living within you. And you can do supernatural things because of that. I'm talking about supernatural things that you didn't think you could do. You can do it because God lives inside of you. Now, I, I told you that I'm obsessed with following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. There has been so many times throughout ministry where I have randomly text, sent a text message to people or called people and said, this is what God is telling me to tell you right now. I pray and hope that, that it's something that you needed to hear or it makes sense to you because it doesn't really make sense to me. I preached a message on Wednesday night about... I I was talking about the book of Job, and and if you're not coming on Wednesday nights, I encourage you to do that. It's not just a youth service, it's an everybody service, so come and hear. We we started in the book of Job on Wednesday night, and I talked about devastation, and the devastation that came with the April 27th tornadoes in 2011, and there was one of my students at the time, he was living in Tuscaloosa, and I was right over here in the parking lot of Walmart, And, and this is like one of those things that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but I just did it because God said do it, so I... I knew that there were storms, I knew that there were tornadoes, and I knew that some of them were in the Tuscaloosa area. I will admit that, but I, I texted him immediately. I just stopped on my way to the car, and I, I, I was standing there beside my car, and I texted him, I said, get down. That's all I said, I said, get down. Right now, right here, get down. And he told me, he said, he said I couldn't text you back because... Your message came through. Nobody else's messages were getting in or out at that point in time because cell towers had been destroyed and all this kind of stuff. He said, power outages all across town. He said, your messages came through. He said, and your message said, get down. Right at the time the tornado was in my backyard, he said, that was the closest the tornado got to me is when I got your text message. It said, get down. He said, I was in my apartment, and the tornado was in my backyard, and it was destroying everything. And I get this text message from you. It says, get down. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if you will listen to the Holy Spirit of God that lives within you, I promise you there will be supernatural things that will happen, and you won't be able to explain them. I, I, you won't even be able to tell other people and then be able to appreciate it the way that you appreciate it. But I'm telling you, man, it is amazing what the Holy Spirit of God can do in a person when they surrender to it and they obey the Holy Spirit of God. So i I got, I got, to, get, look, I got to get back into Acts here. we got to start in the book of Acts, chapter 1. I mean, I could just say a million things about how good God is and through His Holy Spirit, how we're able to do things, and it's it's wonderful. But let's let's start in the book of Acts in chapter 1. I'm going to read a good bit of Scripture here to you to begin with, and then we're going to dig into it. So just bear with me for a little bit. In my first book, I told you, uh, Theophilus, uh, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day He was taken up to heaven after giving His chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the forty days after his crucifixion, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Uh, once he was eating with them, and he commanded them, "Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift promised." As I told you before, John the Baptist uh, baptized with wa- John baptized with water. But in a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He says, the Holy Spirit is coming. The Holy Spirit of God, the very breath of co- God is coming to you. Be ready. Get ready. It's coming. And I told you last week, actually, when we had the Easter service, I told you that Jesus, when he's was having the uh, last supper with his disciples, he told them, it is better that I go because the Holy Spirit is coming, the Comforter is coming. I can send Him to you if I go. So it is better if I come to live inside you, as opposed to me living right beside you. I'm going to come live inside you through the Holy Spirit. And it says in verse six. So the apostles were with Jesus and kept asking Him, "Lord, has the time come for you to set it, for you to free Israel and restore your kingdom?" He replied, "The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you who receive the Holy Spirit comes." You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses in telling them uh, about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, in the ends of the earth. And this is what he says. They're worried about, all right, all right, Jesus. Um, you, you, uh, you told us that good things were coming. You told us that some stuff was going to happen, that you were going to set up this earthly kingdom one day. And we're ready for that now. Okay. So so you died, you came back. That's that's awesome. Jesus, we're all about the resurrection and you're here coming back from time to time, just talking to us. And it's obvious that you were crucified, dead and buried, and now you're back and you're talking to us and you're talking to us about the kingdom. So I'm really excited about this kingdom that you're talking about. Are you ready to set that up yet? Are you ready to to, to have your kingdom here? Because we're ready for it, man. It's time. And I think all of us Christians can identify with that, man. We're ready for your kingdom to come. I mean, we're supposed to even pray, thy kingdom come right now. Lord, we want your kingdom to come. We are ready for it. And these guys are the same way. They're ready. They're like, yeah, let's, let's do this thing, man. The kingdom, let's, all right, we're ready. And they say, okay, so when's it going to happen? Jesus, tell us about it. And he goes, well, not yet. <laughs> man, I thought, I thought we were ready. Because I was ready. You were talking about it. I thought time was here, you know. And he's like, he's like now time's not here yet. The Father's the one that knows that time and that date. And he says, we don't really know. It's not for me to know or you to know. The Father's going to set that date and time. And he says, But there's always, uh, this may sound crude, there's always these big buts in the Bible, okay? This happens to be one of them. He's like, but the Holy Spirit is coming, and he's coming with power, right? Dunamis is the Greek word. I mean, like, and that's where we get the word dynamite from. It's power, man. I'm just like, you can't wrap your mind around it, kind of power, and it's coming from God. And he's like, it's going to empower you. The Holy Spirit is coming down, and it's going to empower you to do some stuff. As a matter of fact, you're going to be uh, my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea. Now, think about it. When you hear that, man, this is where Jesus was crucified. Oh, okay, so, yeah, we're going to go back into town where Jesus was crucified and start telling them about Jesus. That sounds like a good plan. And Jesus goes, yeah, it is, as a matter of fact. You're going to have the power to do it, and it's going to be because of me. It's going to be because of the breath of God, the Holy Spirit of God that comes down and empowers you to be able to do it. And not only that, not only are you going into Jerusalem to do, do it, you're also going in, into Samaria to do it. Those people that you hate and you don't even want to walk through their, their land because you hate them so bad, you're going over there too. And I'm sure the guys were like, man, are you kidding me? Really? Really? This Jesus guy, he keeps asking more and more and more of us. You know what I mean? Like, we thought we'd done enough, and, and he just keeps asking more and more and more. He does, by the way. When you give your life to him, when you say yes to Jesus, you say no to you, and you say, okay, Jesus, whatever you have, that's, that's where I'm going. That's what I'm doing. I said yes to you, so my whole life belongs to you. So now, wherever you tell me to go, I have to go there. And that doesn't matter if it's, if it's down the road in Mumford, or it doesn't matter if it's over uh on, on the west side of aniston it doesn't matter if it's in africa it doesn't matter if it's in worcester massachusetts where one of my friends went it doesn't matter you said yes to jesus you said no to you and you said whatever you got god that's what i'm in for you got a blank check with my life and and i'm ready whatever you have and these guys had done that and here jesus is saying all right buckle up buckle up because it's coming he said but i'm not going to leave you to do it yourself that's what a lot, a lot of christians think man uh So, all right, so I gave my life to Jesus. Now i got to do it by myself. Wrong. No, that's not it. The good news is you got the Holy Spirit of God, the supernatural power of God living within you, so you don't have to worry about your abilities and talents. Now the Holy Spirit of God is able to use you. He dwells within you, and he's able to show you and guide you. And if you listen to him, man, you're able to do supernatural things. Jesus says, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, he says, you're going everywhere. You 11 guys, you're going everywhere. And you're going to tell everybody. And here we are some 2,000 years later, and we're still talking about it. You know what I mean? So when Jesus says you're going everywhere, he really meant it. And he did. Do you think that these guys, these 11 guys would be able to do it by themselves and their own abilities? Do you think that they would have been able, I mean, like they're such gifted speakers, that would have been able to go and, and talk to folks, and here's 2,000 years later, we'd still be talking about it? No, it has to be supernatural. It has to be the power of God. It has to be. There's no other explanation for it. I want to go on to uh, Acts chapter 2, where it actually happens. This is where it all goes down, man. This is where where the house shakes, right? Acts chapter 2, beginning of verse 1, it says this, On the day of Pentecost, we've all heard about Pentecost, probably. If you've ever been inside of church walls, you've heard of the day of Pentecost. It says all believers were meeting together in one place. So uh, these believers, there's probably quite a few of them at this point in time because Jesus has made himself known and he's he showed himself to people and he's coming around and they're like, hey, y'all, you might want to come see this. Jesus is resurrected and he's over here in the next room. I would be like, hey, I do want to see that. That sounds cool. I'm in on that. And so people started coming around, right? And they would be like, this is Jesus. Welcome to our group, and I, yes, all right, yeah, I'm in on that. I'm in with that group. So there would be lots of these folks around. So they're hanging out, and and they're all together. Especially the apostles, the eleven, are, are there together. They 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 voted somebody in. They got they got a twelfth guy now to replace Judas because he betrayed Jesus and went out and hung himself. And now they got twelve of them again, and we're we're good. So. It says in verse 2 of chapter 2, it says suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. So here these guys are, are all just like hanging out and they're all praying and I'm sure they're probably singing worship songs and they're just worshiping God and, and all of a sudden they hear something. Now it it's not a wind that came in, it says it sounded like the roaring of the wind. All they know is this is what it sounded like. They're hearing this you like a tornado is coming you know where the house is shaking and and like there's they the people always say it sounds like a freight train is coming right that's what they always say a tornado's like well here these guys are like this is the sound of the roaring wind it's like a freight train is coming and all of a sudden something happens right so they're they're sitting here and they're praying and things are going good and they, said, they start hearing it and the house where they were sitting it says in verse 3 then they then what looked like flames are tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And every one present was filled with the Holy Spirit. So here we have, we have the apostles hanging out together. And they hear a rushing wind kind of sound, just like this roaring sound. And all of a sudden they see these, these flames start going amongst all of them. They start seeing. I mean, can you imagine what this would be like? If you and I are sitting in a room together, and all of a sudden flames come in through the window and they start touching us, um, it's going to be mind blowing. I guarantee you. You and me, we're probably going to have a few tears shed. You know, I know I'm going to be crying. I might be running, but I'm going to be crying at the very least. So the flames come in, and they're like it's like a tongue of fire, and it it lands on each of them. It says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So what is happening here is that the Holy Spirit of God, in physical form, something that they can see is actually coming in and touching each one of them. Now, I had to ask myself, why in the world would... I mean, when the Holy Spirit comes into a believer, a Christian, uh, when the Holy Spirit, when you surrender your heart and life to Jesus, we don't necessarily see flames come in through the window and touch the person, right? I want you to understand something, that when, when this happened at this point in time, that there was certain things that had to happen then that don't necessarily have to happen now. now we, at this point in time, things were very new to them, okay? People were really confused about what they were supposed to do and how they were supposed to go about it. They were very confused sometimes about the way that things were happening. They didn't really have all... I mean, they didn't have the ton of Scripture. They didn't have the New Testament. They were writing the New Testament, right? So they didn't know what was supposed to happen exactly. So here they are. They're sitting there, and they're like... All of a sudden, these flames come in and start landing on each of them. And I started thinking about why. Why why did there have to be something visual? Why did God say, this time it has to be visual? You have to be able to see it. And I think... I really believe it's because... The apostles had to see it falling on each one of them. You know what I mean? Like they had to be able to see that what's happening to me is also happening to that guy over there, and it's also happening to that guy over there, and it's also happening to the guy that guy over there. And what I'm experiencing in my heart, it's real because they're all experiencing it with me, and they're all seeing this thing. And I'm not I'm not just hallucinating this thing. They're all going, Did you see that? Did you see that? Did you see that? I think for this particular instance, God was trying to do something in these men. He was trying to show them physically. Here is something that's happening to you right at this moment. If it wasn't like that, then these guys would have been just sitting around going, I feel different, you know? Do you feel different? Like, what did we eat, you know? I feel something different inside me, you know? But this way, the way God did it, and it's holy spirit comes in and and settles on each one of them they're like oh this is a big deal (laughs) oh this is a really big deal and jesus had been telling us about this thing that was going to happen after i I left and i ascended back to the father and he said he was going to send something i think he just sent it now i could be mistaken but i think it just came through the window and touched and landed on each one of us and they say something's different inside me something is supernatural inside me all of a sudden you know and they're I think that these guys are like, all right, it's about to go down then, right? So, yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, I could just talk about it. I, This sermon could last two hours. You're lucky I'm cutting it down for you. It says, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages. Okay, something else that God had to do specifically in this situation so that people would know this is supernatural, this is from God. It says, speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. The Holy Spirit was allowing these people to speak in different languages. It literally says languages that they could understand, that other people could understand at the time They were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. There's a ton of people around, okay? And and, and here's what it says. And when they heard the loud noise, they said, Hey, did anybody else hear the freight train that I just heard? I don't think they had freight trains in first century Jerusalem, but maybe they did. But did anybody hear that loud, roaring, rushing sound? Let's go see where that is, man. It's coming from that house over there. It's coming from over there. Let's go check it out. And sure enough, there's a lot of devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. It says they were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are from Galilee and yet we hear them speaking our own native languages. And we are uh, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Mont- Pontus and the province of Asia, Phigria, uh Pamphylia, Egypt and the... Areas of Libya and around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Jerusalem, Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood and were amazed and were perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them saying, they are drunk. That's all. All right. So I want you to understand something here. Understand that, that what's happening is that, that God is moving, right? And these men are going to be partakers in this supernatural event, which is God moving in the area around there. And he's got to have something to kind of set things in motion. He, he's, he's got to have something that kind of gives these guys some, some credence and gives them some authority and gives them some not only that, but also to give them some confidence in their ability to do some supernatural things. Because remember, Jesus had just told them, man, you're going into, back into Jerusalem to tell them about me. You're going into Samaria to those people that you hate. You're going everywhere, even to the ends of the earth. And I'm sure these guys had a little bit of this in their mind going, I'm not so sure. You know what I mean? Like, uh, maybe. Yeah, I, I believe you, Jesus, but this is a hard one to buy, you know? And all of a sudden, they see this flame come in, and it lands on each one of them. And then, and then, man, folks start looking at them because they're able to speak in all these different languages in such a way that that these people are just like bewildered. It says that they they say, "Who are these guys? These are a bunch of Galileans." Galileans, they're not learned folks. They're not real smart folks. They didn't go to MIT. They're, who are these folks, man? This, this would be like, anybody ever watch the show Moonshiners on Discovery? You know what I mean? Like West Virginia, South Carolina, North, where they're up in the woods, like making moonshine, and they got about four teeth and overalls with no shirt underneath. You know what I'm talking about? That's the way the Galileans would have been looked at in this day and time. These aren't smart folks. These are just Galileans, man. They make moonshine on the weekends. These are not smart folks. And here they are speaking languages that, that we can understand. What, what's going on here? And what were they doing? And what were they saying? What, it, what it, says, it says, what were they saying? It says that they were worshiping God. They were saying things in, in these native tongues that these people could understand. And it was the praises of God. It was it was about who god was it wasn't just like they were able to say stuff they were able to say stuff about god and it was this proclamation of the glory of god that was happening in their native tongues and praise god that the holy spirit can do that i've had people say to me sometimes that when i'm preaching a message how did you know did, did my friend tell me or tell you about me and what's going on in my life did they did they tell you about my sin Is that what's going on here? And I go, well, yeah, me and you got a friend, all right. But it ain't who you think it is. And he does tell me things to say, but I got no clue how it's going to land on your ears and your heart. And I don't know exactly what God has to say for you specifically. All I know is what the Holy Spirit tells me to say, and I just say that. And then I go sit back down and raise my hands in worship. I just, whatever God has for me to say, I say that and... God knows each and every one of your hearts and praise God to his Holy Spirit. I have said this before and I'll say it a million times again. God can change the words from my mouth to your ears to let you hear what you need to hear in order for God to speak to you and speak to your heart. I've had people say to me before, do you remember when you said so and so in the sermon? I'd be like, I don't remember saying that, you know. I'm like, maybe you heard something different than I said. Maybe, I don't know, maybe the Holy Spirit of God just transformed the words, just like on a plane. And he just like whoop, diverted it and it right to your ears. And it's exactly what you needed to hear at that point in time in your life. It is so amazing what God can do when you succumb to the power of the Holy Spirit, that dunamis, that dynamite power of the Holy Spirit. And these guys are starting to speak in these tongues. And these guys are like, how are they doing that? And then there's the naysayers, Right? There's always the folks that are filled with doubt. There's always the folks that want to write it off as this is not of God. That's not what's going on here. This is some kind of trick. He really does have your friends telling you what kind of sin it is in your life. And that's why he's preaching about it from the pulpit. They really, there's always going to be the naysayers out there that don't really want to say it's the power of God. That's what it is. There's always going to be somebody that's going to put doubt in your mind or try to convince you that it's something else that it's not of God. And that's exactly what's going on here. Of course... Of course they're Galileans. They are dumb, man. They're just speaking gibberish out there. And you keep thinking it's a language. And they're like, but there's like 10 other languages that they're speaking. And there's 10 guys from 10 different places. And they all know that it's their native language. Can you explain that? And they're like, they're just drunk. They're just drunk. Now, oftentimes, being drunk is kind of equated with with being under the influence of the Holy Spirit. You see that throughout Scripture, you see it uh, talked about in places. And why is that? Why is it? Why, why is people think that? Why why does people say that? It's because it's not you. You behave differently. You do different things. You say different things. When you're under the influence of alcohol, that's what happens, right? You don't act like you would normally act. You don't say the things you'd never say. You'd normally say. Maybe even talk a little bit louder than you normally would. Well. That's exactly what happens when the Holy Spirit dwells within you and you succumb to that power and you say, Yes, Lord, I'm gonna be obedient to your Holy Spirit. You don't act like you used to act, you don't say the things you used to say. When the Holy Spirit comes in and dwells within you, man, it's like you're a brand new creation and they're like, I don't even know that guy. He's completely different. I've seen people that, that really, once they surrender their lives to Jesus, it is like they become like, You're like, what happened to you, dude? Like, man, you used to be a doofus, and all of a sudden, Jesus came in, and now you're, like, smart. I mean, like, I, I, it really does happen that way sometimes, man. You're, you're talking to people, and you're like, what's happened to you? It is the Holy Spirit of God. It is a supernatural power of God living within you. You see, Genesis 1-2 says that the Holy Spirit... The the Spirit hovered over the waters of the deep, is what it says. All the way back to creation. You go Genesis 1, Genesis uh, 1 2. You can see it says the, the Spirit of God hovered over the waters of the deep. He's been here from the beginning. He was right there with Jesus and God that was there in the beginning. The Holy Spirit's been here just over this place. And then what happens is, what happens is, when you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within you. Why? Why would that happen, Kenny? What, what is the purpose? What is the purpose behind the Holy Spirit of God coming to dwell within you? He's hovering over the waters of the deep. He's hovering over everywhere. He's moving and changing and, and doing things in people's heart. Why, Kenny? Why? Why now does he have to come and live inside our hearts? Maybe it's for me. Maybe it's so I can feel better and I can have a smile on my face and I can, I can just be like, yes, everything's good now. Maybe that's the reason. Or maybe it's a little bit deeper than that. Jesus said, I'm sending you a helper. It's also, he's also called the comforter. But I got to thinking about that. I was like, why would, why would we need that inside of us? If we're followers of Jesus, we know that we have eternal life wrapped up and we know that we can follow God from, he, from this life into heaven, and we know that. Why do not we need the Holy Spirit of God to come and dwell within us? I got an idea. Can I share it with you? Would that be okay? <laughs> maybe. Just Maybe. So he can use us to have an influence on other people. To bring other people to Christ. So that when when tragedy comes into your life, uh, when somebody dies is close to you, when cancer comes into your life, uh, when somebody dies in a, a car wreck and it's completely unexpected, maybe it's so that comforter can give you the peace so that when other people look at you they say, what's wrong with that person? How can they have such peace in the middle of devastation like that? What, what, what is wrong with him that he can sit there and still have joy in his heart even though something terrible has happened in their lives? How can that be? And as the Holy Spirit, he also does a sanctifying work in your heart. When you come to Jesus, he starts convicting you of things that you need to change in your life. He, he, starts, he starts like, you, you start going, well, this is not okay in my life. I need to I need to get this out of here. There's some some people that hang around. I don't need to hang around them so much anymore because they're having a negative influence on me and it's not glorifying God because I'm staying around them. And God starts to do this convicting work in your heart. It's a process called sanctification. And what it is is growing you more and more towards Jesus and away from yourself. Why? Why sanctification? Why is that important? You already got heaven wrapped up. Why are you worried about sanctification? And maybe it's because of everybody else. Maybe your sanctification is for the purpose of people being able to see you change and seeing I want that. I want whatever they got. Whatever is living inside of them, I want it to come and live inside of me. I told you before, God doesn't need to use us. He doesn't have to use us. He chooses to. And one of the great ways He chooses to use is by giving us the power of the Holy Spirit living within us So we can live a transformed life. And we can, when when we don't know what to say, when we're sharing the gospel, we'll we'll talk about this later too, but but God will give us the words to say that his Holy Spirit that lives within you will actually tell you what to say when you're in the midst of trials or difficulties or coming up face-to-face with somebody about the gospel. God will tell you what to say through his Holy Spirit. Maybe, just maybe, this whole process of the Holy Spirit coming to live within you It's for everybody else around you. You ever thought about that? I think it makes good sense. And we're going to see next week. I know everybody's like, man, is he going to talk about Peter and the message that he preaches? Not today. But it's coming. You know, like Sunday's coming. We say that on Easter. Sunday's coming. Next Sunday, you want to be back because Peter's going to stand up and dwell with the Holy Spirit. He's going to start speaking. And people are going to start listening. I promise you, it will happen. In Acts chapter 2, we're going to talk about it next week. But for now, but for now, what about you? Does the Holy Spirit live within you? Does the Holy Spirit dwell right here in your heart? And are you living a transformed life? And is, is God taking you through the process of sanctification and drawing you more and, and making you more and more like Jesus? If you're not, If you're not a follower of Christ, let me tell you something. As much as you want to clean up your act and try to get it all straightened out, and then you say, I'll come to Jesus at that point in time, you got it all wrong. That's completely backwards from the gospel. That's the opposite of the gospel. See, the gospel is you say yes to Jesus, and when His Holy Spirit comes in here, it starts to transform you from the inside out. If you try to do it from the outside in, it won't happen. It won't happen. You try to do it under your own power, it won't happen. You know why? Because you need the supernatural power of God living within you. And that is the only way it can happen. Let me pray. Father, God, thank you so much for this word. Lord, I, I pray for the people that are here. And Lord, the, this word may be laying heavy on their hearts right now. God, maybe somebody just needs to come to you. Maybe they need to surrender their heart and their life and say, Jesus, just you, that's all I need. I don't need anything else. God, I just want you to come in, and I want you to transform me. God, if there's somebody like that, I pray that they would find their way. Just find their way up here to me. God, at some point, I'll be happy to put them in touch with somebody that can tell them what it means to be a follower of Christ. God, I just pray that this word is laid heavy on our hearts. God, because some of us, we're not tapping into that Holy Spirit that dwells within us. God, we know about him, and we know that that he's there. God, but we're doing so many things, God, that are against your word, that are against your ways. And, God, because of that, that Holy Spirit is quenched. So, Lord, please, God, draw us to you. Allow that Holy Spirit to to well up inside of us, God, so that he might be a comforter in our hearts, God, and he might be the overflow of our lives in such a way that, that we were able to impact this world for your kingdom. In Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, God, I pray that we would be people that go out into this place and, God, proclaim your glory. God, and when we speak, it will not be our voices, but it will be the voice of God because we are surrendering wholly to to the way that you would have us to do things. God, I pray that we would just not be people that sat around and waited on things to happen, God, but we would be people that, that completely surrendered to your Holy Spirit. And when God, when you tell us to move, we would move and we would go out and proclaim this good news. God, whatever you need to do in these people, God, I'm going to get out of the way and let your Holy Spirit do what he needs to do. God, thank you so much for the power of this word. God, thank you so much for the power of the Holy Spirit who uses this word to transform lives and save people and rescue people. God, I pray that you would do that now. I pray that your Holy Spirit would move in people's hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.